Welcome to a wild weird. Hey guys, this is Greg from the Wild Weird. I'm here with my guest, creator, writer, Josh Trujillo. Uh, Trujillo, close. Trujillo. You know, I used my I used to work at um, this retirement community as an activities coordinator, uh, playing bingo with residents. And my boss's last name was Trujillo or Trujillo. I can't pronounce it. Um, but she was, um, I believe, a member of the Sioux Tribe. Is that a Native American last name? Uh, you know, there's a lot of us in South America, Southwest United States. Um, I am uh, part Apache and I'm part Hoopa, which is a Northern Californian tribe. Um, and so that's kind of where my last name filters in. But um, okay, from, from my grandparents' side on my dad's. Awesome. No, I was I was really interested because I don't come across the name often. I, I've heard a couple different pronunciations of it, but it's, I was like, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Just depends on what part of the country you're in. I think there's either a lot of us or none of us. Yeah. Well, thinking about it now, I think that was her husband's last name. And I believe he was uh, half Native American and half Mexican. So mm -hmm. I think it was like from his. Yeah, I think it was from that side of his family. But um, hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on. It's a privilege to talk to you um, after reading some of your stuff. You know, like you wrote Captain America. Um, Hulkling and Wiccan was a delight, you know, and I, I'm, I'm fairly new into comics. I, I spoke with Sarah. I believe you guys spoke with each other, Sarah, uh, Sarah Lydia. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Sarah I spoke with her and um, just, you know, God, we just exploded on comics. And like, I'm fairly new to this. I've I've watched all the movies. I'm really big on the TV shows. I'm getting a lot more familiar with the comics. And like one thing that's really, really interesting to me about comics and like everything marvel dark horse dc is like it's more you see a lot more inspirations in the writings from the author so i feel like there's a lot from the writer that goes into the work and um if i could ask you what 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 was something that got you into comics like what was your inspiration and got you interested in these things yeah so i've always been interested in comics like as long as i can remember anything um some of my earliest memories were kind of those uh, daily newspaper strips. So like Peanuts, Garfield, Calvin and Hobbes. And so what I would do is I would trace over Garfield strips and then reorganize them. So basically uh -huh. I was making my own Garfield comics. So I would do that a lot. And that's kind of where I, those were my first comics I wrote. Um, well, and then from there, like I got into superheroes and once I started to watch Batman, the animated series or X-Men or even the original Batman cartoon or um, uh, Batman TV show with Adam West. So from then I started to draw my own little superhero riffs and I did that for, I don't know, all through high, up until high school and my art never got better, but my storytelling <laughs> got a little bit better. So uh, that was kind of uh, where it all began. Awesome. And so like, like you said with the Batman, the animated series, that's kind of like where I started with it. Like as a kid coming home from school, I would watch the Batman, the animated series, Spider-Man, um, mm -hmm the animated series, you know, and I hopped in whenever they introduced like Venom and Craven the Hunter. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, and at the time, you know, I wasn't much of a reader. I didn't read a lot of books. You know, 
I, if anything, I felt like I had undiagnosed ADD. So mm-hmm. I made excuses not to do it, even though there were like, I would read small books, like different raw dolls and, you know, Charlie and the chocolate factory, um, just kind of children's books, but I loved the cartoons and one thing that's been happening to me lately, I feel like I've been having like a renaissance of Marvel and DC where like the movies have been so good and the television shows have been so good. I've wanted to go back and kind of get more of an understanding of some characters and kind of like, oh, I've been missing out on so much my entire life. I don't I don't think I can dive in fully. My wife wouldn't let me dive in fully to like a full on full blown comic collection. Yeah. I was like, what can I do that? I, you know noticed there were apps marvel unlimited uh different things i was looking up on amazon of different resources and uh your books were actually the first ones i started reading because like sarah recommended said you know she felt inspired by hulkling and uh wiccan that she's like i highly suggest you look at that so i was like sweet i was like i'll definitely do it and you know i'm especially being introduced into like characters that aren't the typical Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, kind of have these uh, established backgrounds. These are brand new characters that I haven't heard of before. I believe that I, what just popped in my head is that Wiccan was a character that is the son of Scarlet Witch, correct? Yeah, he's the son of the Scarlet Witch and the Vision. That's the easiest way to put it, but it's way more complicated than that because it's a comic book. Yeah, Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, so, uh, and then uh, Hulkling is the son of... uh, Captain Marvel, not not the Carol Danvers one, but uh, the original, and uh, a Scroll Empress. Oh, okay. And um, so with you having this variety of background with writing, I've like you've had your hands in volumes of Rick and Morty, um, different types of cat, like the different Captain America and Hulkling and Wiccan. Can you say like what inspires you to kind of take bring in your take and your inspiration into these characters? Uh, yeah, so I mean, it kind of varies from project to project, but like, you know, I'm really trying to find like, uh, it's cliche to say, but I'm trying to find the person under the mask. You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to connect with like real emotional beats or real problems that people are facing, even if you're doing it in a way that's like with superheroes. So, for like the United States of Captain America, we introduce a new Captain America character named Aaron Fisher. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the Captain America of the railways, unquote. And so he's kind of a hard scrabble kid with like a rough background. He's a, he's a gay runaway. And this was kind of my way of shining a little bit of light on uh, LGBT youth homelessness, which is a huge problem facing that community and a lot of communities, quite frankly. But uh, I wanted to kind of shine a light on that because I knew the issue would come out during Pride Month. And I think there's a lot of, um, there's such a diversity of queer characters under the Marvel banner right now. We really are afforded a lot of opportunities to tell stories with different types of queer characters. And I wanted to tell something a little closer to being like grounded, you know? And even though he puts on a super suit and he, he fights, he fights uh, guards and he does a daring rescue for all these, all these prisoners, you know, he's still, he's still just a regular kid. No. And like, that's one thing I really got from the beginning. Cause I, I believe at the beginning of that comic, Captain America is kind of having like this internal dialogue since his shield is going to be put in the Smithsonian. He's like, you know, I don't know if this is just kind of like a facade. It's covering something. It's a shield for me. Is it representing what I wanted to represent? And to see a character like Aaron Fisher 
kind of come take the shield and like kind of see like even though in like that you know and i'm a little unfamiliar with the lgbtq culture and i've been kind of diving in just to become more educated about it and it's it's nice to see that when you have a character that is using you know is looked at captain america as a symbol but especially having that background being like you know a member of that community being homeless and still believing in what the flag and the shield represents you know it's beyond captain america the shield is a representation of everything that you know we should all strive to be to help other people no matter what background they are what whether or not they're poor mm -hmm. no matter what you know like it's a representation of helping and for a character that has been coming from that background that's been you know persecuted and not fully had a, didn't have the full support of this country but still wanting to do something good for the country and for the people that he represents is pretty inspiring and like to see that like in the first 10 seconds of reading that comic and uh get like like understanding that message is really strong and i felt very powerful and even like in the hulkling comics with you know you got spoilers guys i'm sorry if i'm i know <laughs> this could be spoilers i'm gonna kind of we're both gonna talk about this but like just to see the casual jump offness like there's some people might feel like oh are they gonna give us ba like backstory and i'm fairly new to those comics but to like start reading it and to see people that are just living their life with somebody they love and then life happens you know like agatha harkness pops up out of nowhere hits you with a spell and you no longer remember the ones you love and then you're kind of set down this path and you see uh kind of trying to find who you are because your memory has been erased and then coming back to that and then people around you kind of learning to love you for who you are and then not wanting to give you up. Like it's so, it, I, I just going into comics, I didn't expect like these stories to be so layered and it's really awesome to be honest. Like I, I love it, dude. This has opened up like a whole new line for me. Oh, and, to hear. and for it to be like my first stories to be uh, that I've read to be about the LGBTQ community and and the author to like go in and just tackle this straight on from a superhero perspective is amazing. And I hope, I hope Marvel, you know, they've been doing it with some characters introducing like whether or not they're straight, like introducing them as uh, gay, but like it's, I, they, I hope they can, they write them good. You know, like, I hope you could get on a project man and give them some of your mind. That'd be awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, the reception to Hulkling and Wiccan, thank you, by the way, has been super positive. And uh, it was kind of surprising. Uh, you know, the it's was originally part of these Marvel Infinite comics. So it's a different format than a traditional turn the page, read light left to right. It's a, it's an infinite scroll. Yeah, that's really reading. cool. And, uh, you know, they, they posted it without t telling anyone because they wanted it to be a surprise. And I think it really surprised people. The Hulkling and Wiccan fans in particular are like, are uh, delightfully rabid about the characters. And so they they were shocked to read part one uh, and to see a lot of their favorite queer heroes just hanging out and having a little conversation about relationships at dinner. Uh, and then ultimately the twist with Agatha kind of sets the whole, the whole plot in motion. Yeah. Uh, 
And Marvel's been, you know, super supportive of the characters. You know, this month they have, um, they appear in the Marvel Pride special. Alyssa Wong wrote an excellent story with the Young Avengers featuring them. And right now, Anthony Olvera is doing a multi-part miniseries for Marvel Infinite about the Young Avengers as well. So, you know, I grew up with uh, Hulkling and Wiccan to a degree. I was at probably in my late, uh, late teens when they first appeared. And this was an era where there were almost no queer characters, no gay characters, no lesbian characters, except for maybe more independent comics or like North Star, like characters that are kind of more on the periphery of the spotlight. Um, and so to see where things are now, where Marvel so like hold completely welcoming and encouraging this kind of storytelling and from different queer creators too, is like really heartening. And it like means a lot to me personally to be able to leave, uh, leave a fingerprint on these two characters that are like on to bigger and greater things, you know, like this is only the beginning. They have oh, yeah. not been, they're not in the movies yet. Right. Like the exactly. world will find out how great these are very soon. Oh, and I'm excited because when you look at the long list of like shows or movies or whatever they have planned in the next phase, like we're looking, I'm going to be, we're going to be old by the time this like even gets close to finishing out, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. And to, to see like, it, to see that like lined like that kind of time period of knowing that this is going to be something and it's inevitable is exciting. You're going to have so much variety. Like we're seeing it on the TV shows. Like, have you been watching Miss Marvel at all? Yeah, I just caught the first episode. I love it. You know, the uh, it just has like a different feel than uh, some of these Marvel shows. It feels a lot closer to um, Scott Pilgrim or like. Uh, that's what I said to Sarah. And Sarah was like, that's a good take. I didn't think about that. Because like yeah. the bubbles, kind of like her thoughts are popping out of her head as she's going through her day. It's amazing. Or, or even the Into the Spider-Verse movie. Like, so, I, you know, I will watch these as long as they all feel different from each other. And I think they're getting better and better at that. Oh, they are, man. And I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but just like the culture to get like somebody who's unfamiliar with the like the Pakistani culture to see like, oh, you know, we see what, Iron Man went through as a superhero late in his life. He kind of had that midlife crisis superhero moment. And then to get hit with like, this is what would happen if you came across superpowers uh, at a younger, it kind of reminded me of like a Spider-Man, you know, like young Spider-Man dealing with teenage stuff. But on top of it, you have old tradition, you know, you have family dynamics that are different than the like everyday, everyday American lifestyle and to see that person struggling with that who you know they're being raised in a, the modern culture well their parents are immigrants and to deal with like honoring tradition but also wanting to be true to yourself and her parents are a delight like her dad i hope nothing happens to her dad because that guy is a gem and to see if like to see these stories be brought to light about family tradition family background along with like struggle and kind of overcoming that struggle is amazing like and marvel's doing such a good job at it i i hope it never ends like as long as people keep watching they'll keep feeding us disney stuff and marvel oh, yeah, absolutely but um so when did you know because you from, like you said you were uh throughout your teens and childhood you th drew into comics drawing inspiration from peanut uh peanuts and newspapers uh when did you know you wanted to like make this a career like this is what you wanted to do for the rest of your life I mean, honestly, it's kind of the only thing I've ever thought I would do, if that makes any sense. Like, oh, it does. 
as a kid, like I, you know, you were like, okay, maybe I'll be a lawyer or a school teacher or whatever. And like, those would have been fine too. But like, this was really where my eyes were. I was always drawing. I was always trying to figure out how to get my characters in front of people's faces and to tell my kinds of stories. And like, uh, you know, it takes a long time to figure out how to do that. You know, there's a lot of lot to comics that has nothing to do with making a comic. You know, it's a lot about um, printing and sh shipping books and selling books and going to conventions and meeting people and like making those valuable relationships with your fellow creators who can like uplift you as well as you support them. So it's a lot of like, I don't know, from my teens up until almost the time I was 30, I spent a lot of time just trying to understand how to make a comic, not just like the bare bones of like, how do I pay an artist? How do I get it printed? But just like, what kind of stories did I want to tell? You know, I was waiting tables and working in restaurants and bartending for my 20s. And I was miserable doing it because I knew the one thing I wanted to do was write and tell stories. Oh, and yeah. I wasn't any, you know, you don't get closer to that until you, until you start to put that work into it. So I'm really, I'm a kind of a late bloomer in terms of someone who like made their in into the comic book scene. In a way, man, that kind of, I feel like that would kind of bring you closer to it. You know, it's kind of something that you, while you're at work and you got to pay your bills, you're, I would rather be doing this. And sometimes people feel that love fade when they're away mm -hmm. from it. You know, like you're like, I'm at work. Am I going to, because life is preoccupying me and I have obligations. Like, am I going to lose interest in this? And I think that really shows the dedication and love for something when you're like, well, I, that's the only thing I want to do. And I got to figure out how am I going to make that the, like the only thing I'm doing that way you're fully invested in it. And that's, and then all your mental energy can go towards that. Like I, I, I kind of relate to that now because I'm pretty new to the podcast game and I've always wanted to do radio. Right. Like I've always was when I was a kid, I'd listen to AM radio. You'd mm -hmm. hear those stories of people talking about alien. That's primarily what AM radio was to me. It was like you hear like those conspiracy radio. Oh, channels. yeah. What the late night with George Norrie or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. So I was really into that. And then it kind of got amplified when I got into my late teens out of high school because I started smoking weed and it just kind of like the conspiracy mind blew up. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I, all I would do. But like I didn't, I was. In high school, I didn't really focus as much as I should. I didn't do so great in high school. So, like, I was just kind of distracting myself with all the wrong things. And then life happened. I had to, you know, you get into that cycle of when you have to pay bills and do all these things. And you start making excuses for what you want to do. And yeah. for about 10 years, I made nothing but excuses. And it got to the point where I was talking to my wife. And my wife was like, I'm tired of hearing you like complain about this and say you want to do it and you're not going to do it just do it and i had a moment where i'm like yeah i'm gonna do this so i figured out you know took the time was like i gotta figure out what i need to do this you know what supplies do i need you don't need a lot i'm like i think uh you see some podcasts or youtube channels that go full out production and some are successful with like just a microphone and a camera and i was like well i have no idea what i'm doing all I know is I want to do it and I really enjoy doing it. I knew from the moment I plugged in a microphone sitting at my kitchen table with my friend and we just talked and I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. And I still, you know, being a father, being a husband, having kids, like I have financial obligations, but the goal is to do the podcast. 
that I would love to do the podcast full time. Mm -hmm. And that way I can invest all my mental energy into it because when I'm not doing it, I'm thinking about it and it's, it's getting worse because I'm talking to interesting people and I'm kind of getting addicted to knowledge, you yeah. know, like whether, cause I absolutely, I know absolutely nothing about anything. I, 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 I have an interest in a lot of things and I love talking about things with interesting people. And the one thing that I get from talking to people like yourself is inspiration and to see people doing stuff they love for no other reason besides, you know, loving it. It's inspiring and it's kind of contagious. The more you like, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what was like the first convention that you went to where you're like, Oh, this is awesome. I got to keep doing this. Like, do you remember the first convention you went to? Oh gosh. Um, you know, I went to, let's see, I think I went to WonderCon when it was still up in the San Francisco Bay area. And I was volunteering for a publisher called Archaea. That's now part of boom studios, but I was interning with them and volunteering and it was hard work. You know, you have to carry heavy boxes of books around a convention center. You have to help them unroll the carpet, set up all the, the stands, hook everything together. And then you have to work the booth. Yeah. You know, you have, to, you, have to, you have to know your stuff. You have to answer smart questions about the works. You have to read everything and you just have to keep your energy up. And so, you know, that was like an exhausting, I think it was a three-day convention. And by the end of it, I was like probably lost 10 pounds of just sweat. Jeez. And uh, I knew that I didn't want to do anything else. I remember talking on the phone with my friends and I was just like, I don't know how I got this far. Like, I feel like I like climbed a mountain, like just working at this convention all weekend. And that was kind of where you get got bit by the bug, right? It's like, oh, like there's a way, there's a way up from this somehow. And like, if I can just get closer to it, I'll, I can... I'll be the one who has books that other people are trying to like answer questions about, or like, I'm the one that like people will come to a panel discussion and want to talk to me about something. Oh yeah. And I mean, dude, just having that mindset, like you're like hard work all the way from nothing where you're like, Oh, I am exhausted. I just, I, I'd rather not carry large amounts of weight across the convention around other people who are just having fun. I get that. But like, it's just having that long-term goal, you know, like the, the, know that like, I'll get through it. It's, this isn't the, this is not it. Like I, I have to remind myself and my wife sometimes whenever we're going through something difficult and to think like, this isn't, it's not always going to be like this. Things mm -hmm. will get better. Just keep grinding, keep going, keep your head to the floor and just push through it. And I think that shows like, and anybody's successful in anything, whether, you know, you're a movie producer, director, actor, musician, like you all, you have to push yourself through that. And that's what separates the people that love it truly than the people who just love the idea of doing it. Mm -hmm. And because you're willing to deal with anything that gets in your way and any obstacle to do what you love. And, it, it, you know, it's no different than doing it for someone you love. It's an, you have an unconditional love to your art and to your craft. and in a way that's like priority number one. You're like, that's the goal. And I, I, I yeah. realized that like just having these long-term goals always keep you going forward, you know? No, and when I started to do comics more seriously, I had a five-year plan. And I think the five-year plan ended with me getting work with like a Marvel or a DC kind of deal, right? Yeah. And so 
I don't know how, but I was able to stay on task and I got to that five-year plan in like two years. And so, you know, you got you need to set reasonable goals for yourself and you need to stick with it. It's like, it sounds so stupid. It's that whole, like, how do I make comic books? Well, you make comic books. That's how you make comic books. It's like you, you actually take the time and the effort to build something and create instead of kind of just playing around in your Word document and never getting any further than that. And so like, for me, um, that meant because I'm not an artist, I would have to pay artists. And so I would save up every paycheck. I would have enough money to pay an artist for one page. And so I got paid every other week, which means that I had to do this for like 60 weeks or something like that in order to have enough pages to make a comic book. Then I had to save money to print the comic book. And I remember the first printing went so poorly, everything was misprinted. And it was my fault. I did. I I gave them the PDF in the wrong order, and I was crushed by it. And you know, I had people who were supportive in my life and afforded me the opportunity to basically get a do-over, and that was that went well. And then you get smarter the second time you do it, and the third time you do it, and the fourth time you do it, and eventually it becomes a little bit more like uh, I don't know. It becomes comfortable and felt and. People notice when you are presenting them with like a level of kind of uh, professionalism. And, you know, I could not print enough comics myself to ever break even. You know, I'm every comic that I've self published, I've lost a little money on. And that's just because I'm a bad business person, probably. But also, <laughs> like, just the economies of scale are such in that way. So, you know, um, it's, it's an investment to your career. You know, like you start the podcast and you have to buy a nice microphone, right? And like, you're not going to get that ad revenue like right away. You're making an investment toward your career. And like, you don't have to have, my friend does YouTube and he has like this big complaint. Whenever he sees someone's new YouTube page, they have like the fanciest camera set up in the entire world. And he's like, that's not necessary. Like the content is first. And like, yep. they're spending a thousand dollars for their setup not able to make that return when like they should be focusing on the storytelling that they're trying to, whether it be like, you know, top 10 cute dogs or the history of Gettysburg, it doesn't matter what the content is. Like you have to like treat it with kind of the respect and make it exciting for the audience. I'm kind of rambling here, but. Oh, no, no, no. Like I completely understand because I've witnessed the same thing with podcasts where I've seen Famous podcasters go on other podcasts that just recently became very successful. And so this is like the second or third time they've been on it. And they walk into the studio and they're like, what is this? This isn't even a podcast anymore. They're like, this is unnecessary. Like mm-hmm. what what you need is just a good conversation. Like I've seen podcasts that are nice. They have like, like 4K camera quality and good audio. And that's nice. Like everything's visually nice to look at. But also, I've also enjoyed comedy or like comedy podcasts, different types of podcasts that are literally just look like they have the worst. You're filming it on your cell phone, but the conversation is interesting and has me locked in. So I think um, I think it's just kind of like the habit of self-improvement. You know, like some people think like I need this because it's the next step, but it's not necessary. And it's like you should always be focused on the work. Yeah, I think it's just finding a balance, right? Like you want to maintain that, like uh, you want to feel like you are doing it and you, but also like you can't 
weigh yourself down because you can't print on the nicest paper. You know what I mean? Like that can't stuff like that can't hold you back from creating work. And like the earliest podcasts I would listen to, this was before like internet got good, basically. You know, it was someone literally called talking on the phone with mm-hmm. their friend and recording the phone conversations. And that was how the internet fo- or the uh, interview format worked for them. And that was fine. I didn't have a problem listening to it. I just loved the conversation they were having. Exactly. Like you're not thinking about it. And it's like, cause after a while you're just like, okay, just keep talking and give me more of this. I'm not, I think for me, like I've learned not to critique things as much. And like, I, I used to sit and watch a movie and be like, Oh, that's, the continuity of this is wrong. No, I didn't like that. I didn't like this. And I, I learned to just sit and watch and accept something for what it is. It's like, uh, I had a friend kind of spoiled Jurassic Park for me, the new one, right? And just uh-huh. kind of going hard at it and critiquing it. And I was like, but what did you expect? I was like, it's a movie about dinosaurs. You know, like, you could sit there and accept it for what it is. It's not like a Christopher Nolan movie that has like some deep plot. Like I, I would go in like knowing that I can enjoy this for what it is and not expect it to like for them to deliver, you know, Oscar nominated performances mm-hmm. because it's not that type of movie. But yeah, like I, I, I totally get that. Like, because I had that conversation with myself when I was starting my studio. First, it was just a small little section of my garage. I just, me and my wife bought a house a year ago and I was like, I'm gonna turn the garage into the studio. Had no soundproofing, nothing, none of that. It was me and my garage with two chairs. Uh, I actually was filming on my camera until I realized that when you film 4K stuff on your camera, it takes up a lot of storage and gets very difficult to process it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, no, they can't do this that long. So I went, I went strictly to audio. And I was like, hey, maybe if I go to audio, I can focus on strictly that. And then I noticed that more people were listening to the audio than watching on YouTube. And... I didn't know if that was for the quality uh, or just what, what the demographic was choosing to pick to consume. And after a while, more people just kept going, going back to audio. So I was like, I'm going to stick to audio for a while, at least until maybe I can get a videographer until I have the money to be able to save and afford a videographer. And so after that, I did a couple, I did probably like five to six uh, recordings in this, the garage. And then winter came. And it was really cold in that garage because it's not insulated. I couldn't do it anymore. Oh, yeah. And I told my wife, I was like, I can't do it in the garage anymore. People are getting people are miserable. We're freezing. We're getting sick. This is not fun. And we'd like we had one extra room that we uh, were using to store stuff, boxes, getting everything like unpacked from the move. I was like, I'm gonna turn this into the studio. All I did was simple soundproof the doors so I can do it when the kids are like being loud. Decorate, put turn this room into me my expression whatever it is and not worry about people's criticisms Mm -hmm. and what can i do to improve that just put more of my expression on these walls and learn how to articulate my words better so i can talk to people and get my message across and communicate with people like i'm just i get really bad anxiety you have no idea how nervous i was for this because i i get really nervous anticipating conversation being like and being i'm kind of shy like I'm kind of introverted in a way and I'm learning to be out there. I'm kind of, I, I've been trying to purposely put my, and that's one thing I love about the podcast. It's like purposely putting myself in uncomfortable positions and learning how to communicate with another person and just listen. You know, I love hearing people's stories and I feel like now 
you know, in this time period, you get a lot of people that just want to talk about themselves and kind of and not listen to other people's stories. And what I told what I told myself, I'm going to talk to people who I believe are doing something beyond themselves. It's something that they're putting their heart and energy into and expecting the full amount of criticism. Any when you when you put yourself out there, you're opening yourself up to negative and positive uh, uh, criticisms. And that's hard. That's really yeah. hard. Oh, put your heart out to the world. It's like I heard something a comedian say recently that bombing on stage is like telling a woman that you love them and them saying just no. Right. It's like you go out to the stage and you tell everybody, I love comedy. I love this. And they just respond back with no. And I feel like, well, the way you can get better at taking that in is just the more and more you put yourself out there and the more yeah. you fail. Right. Like any, and I was so afraid of failure for so long that I, I felt complacent. I felt stuck. You know, I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. I wasn't improving in myself. I wasn't learning. I felt completely stuck because I was afraid to do anything else. And I had to accept just it's okay to suck. Every person that gets good at something always sucks at the beginning and will continue to fail because each time you fail, you learn something and you learn from that failure and you push forward. Yeah. And to hear these stories, like the ones that you've written to inspire a generation that, you know, I can only imagine somebody who got into comics and, you know, who's in their mid forties, fifties now, and didn't really get to read those stories when they were younger. And for those to be available now, and for them to be like, and actually get to read them and see like, like now I get this feeling that I could never get as a child and to, and to feel a part of a community and the part of something and to be like, you know, for so maybe somebody felt, you know, like an outcast in their community and outcast in their family. And to see that a superhero who's stronger than most people in the world and wants to do nothing but good with them with their powers is just like me. And we need more people like you writing these stories. And it's nice to see that they're out there now and they're available for everyone. And, you know, and it's awesome, man. And it's yeah. like, and just to see, like, to see, like, the work and the words come out of somebody's mouth saying this, this is what it takes. You know, you did these things that you didn't want to do. You, you put in the time, you put in the hours, you made the sacrifices, and it was worth it. And it's very inspiring to people to be like, you know, Things are always going to be good. You're going to take some losses sometimes, but those losses will be worth something as long as you just stick to it, man. You know? Yeah. Comics is a really interesting, you know, any creative industry, you put yourself out there. You often put a lot of yourself into your work and sometimes it just doesn't fly. And, you know, this, um, I've had stories that I, I felt it didn't hold up in, in my expectations for myself. You know, they uh, sometimes publishers are like very kind and they're like, tell whatever kind of story you've always wanted to tell. And that's never how I think in that way. You know, I'm yeah. not sitting on like that perfect story. I'm trying to tell the best story for like this moment, if I can, if that makes any sense. Oh, it and does. so, uh, you know, you get disappointed sometimes when you put something out there and it doesn't fly. But, um, you know, I've had opportunities to work with some publishers repeatedly and I get better every time at least that's what I think and I 
people are interested in me as a storyteller, but I think they're also interested in hopefully that I'm a professional. And this is something I say, and it might apply to your world too, is that, you know, there are professionals and there are kind of personalities in mm -hmm. creative industries and personalities have a tendency to burn out. They burn brightly and they have a following and, but, you know, they don't necessarily meet deadlines. They can be difficult to uh, manage at times and uh, they might not, they just might not understand the format or whatever. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think professionals are very heads down, pencil, you know, working on keeping your eye on the prize. You got, like all, you got the discipline. Reliably delivering work and trying to maintain a discipline. You know, I'm going to be up tonight uh, finishing a deadline because I, I promised it today. And uh, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like that's part of the job too, is like making sure that you follow through on what you promised too. Um, and so that's like always, you know, it's a struggle because sometimes you'll see other people who have maybe more of a following than you do and you don't understand what separates you from them. And the truth is they don't understand it either necessarily. Sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. Exactly. But I say that like when I do podcasts like this or I do a panel con conversation at a convention, you know, I'm trying to make one new fan every time I do a thing, whether I'm signing a book or whatever. And if I do that 10,000 times, I will have enough to make a career out of it. And I think I've been doing it long enough that I'm about 1,000 deep. So I'll just do 9,000 more podcasts. That's the only yeah. answer to it, right? Uh, and so I'm sure for you, every every person you interview, you make a new fan because I'm a fan now. You know what I mean? Like, And hopefully readers are picking up on it too, or our listeners. Oh, yeah. Actually, um, I, I, you're in, uh, where are you living right now, if you don't mind uh, me? I bounce all around, but I'm based in Los Angeles. Have you ever have you ever been to Portland, Oregon? Yeah, I've been up there for Rose City Comic Con that they hold usually in the fall. Oh, okay. That's actually because I like you know with COVID that kind of ruined it for me for a while. But I'm hoping to go to the next one. Like I'm excited. Yeah, I really want to go to the next one too. It's always been a good show to me, and I really like Portland in general. Um, I wasn't able to go last year because of um, I was some health travel concerns I had, but I understand. Yeah, uh, but hopefully this year or the next year, I'm doing San Diego Comic-Con uh, at the end of July, and I'm doing FlameCon, which is the big queer comic book convention based out of New York, um, and that's exciting. We haven't done one of those in, I think, two or three years, so it's a big homecoming for a lot of us. Yeah, I can only imagine, like, the energy coming back, like, post-COVID to these things that you loved, right? Like, Oh, it's going to be such a love fest. I really think that... I. It's going to be a little emotional, honestly, I think, because we don't get to see each other. That, like people coming back from either coming back from COVID to go do things like, you know, we all put our hobbies. We all put, put like a lot of our human interaction on holes for the last couple of years. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what human beings crave the most is physical human interaction, especially around a topic or subject that you love. So for people who, you know, those diehards that go to the comic conventions uh, each year, put on the cosplay you know they put work yeah. into their costume into like their makeup into their art and and looking forward to a convention once a, usually once a year right the different types of conventions where you live and some people have to travel a long distance to get to one and that's that's inspiring and to think that like now things are opening up people are like these conventions i can only imagine how fun they're gonna be like i i recently just went to a show 
for the first time since like after COVID, like a local mm-hmm. music show. I have a, a friend of mine um, that didn't perform for about two and a half years during COVID. And then I got to be there to witness him headline a show uh, his first one since two and a half years. And to see that like energy that was kind of stuck in and didn't get to express itself for a couple of years, just kind of bloom out. And it was visible in his guitarist, his drummer, yeah. uh, all the other bands. It's just like to see this, something that, you know, became a habit. Like, oh, we're going to do a show once or twice a week. And for to see this explosion of what they love just thrown out in front of me, like, this is a great time to be alive just because you're seeing so much suppressed art, whether or not it's in co- costumes, comics, movies. Like, I, I, I told I told a couple of friends of mine, they're like, what do you think is going to come out of COVID? I said, well, for one, in my opinion, I think you're going to get some of the best music. Uh, people are going to be sitting, they have time to kind of reflect on themselves. I think yeah. people have better understanding of themselves now than they did prior to COVID because they had time to sit and think about it. And, and kind of discovered something. Like we all, a lot of people lost stuff, whether or not it was a loved one, uh, a job, a career, something happened. People sacrificed something, unfortunately, during COVID. And to get out of it and to go back to life and to express your art, to realize I can't do, this isn't for nothing. Like it would be a dishonor to like myself and to people that I love to not give it my all. And it makes things going to so much better. Like I, yeah. like, I, I just think people are better now. And I have a full belief in that. that's why I wanted to do the podcast to begin with, because coming from Portland, Oregon, I don't know if you're familiar with Portland's reputation, but Portland does not get a good reputation from outsiders or people that come visit it. Right. It's like homeless, homelessness. Um, like, if it's dangerous or not, the protesting that happened during uh, BLM and during that whole saga, like Portland's not that I grew up in Portland my whole life. And like, I, I think for me, I can, I learned to appreciate the good from witnessing the bad and you yeah. in a way you can't really have both. You can't really have one without the oh. other. They balance each other out. And like to see Portland kind of be seen this way, I was like, how can I do, I, even if I get, two to five listeners at the beginning and maybe that's all it would be that's what i told myself when i start this podcast i'm gonna do it and i'm not gonna focus on the algorithm on the on who, like what my target audience is gonna be my whole message is like how do i how do i show the best in people or just get people to show the best in themselves and to kind of talk about the community that i love in a positive way like yeah. I uh, I talked to I got to talk to both actually. There's this record store uh, at the bottom of this books uh, comic book store in Portland called Books with Pictures. Yeah, and um, I interviewed him, and while I was interviewing him at like at the at his record store, which is kind of like really cool because it's like a really classic collected record store in the basement of this comic book store, which is like um, the LGBT community loves this place. I believe the owner is that their employees are. It's like you could sense that community and love when you go in there. And I had a chance to talk to the owner of the place at the time. She was talking about her employees, how much they love what they're doing and how much they love like showing comics to the community and expressing that like, and, and, you know, to see that kind of bloomed in this, this month and pride month to see people like just throwing out there to the world. I love this. I don't care if you love me back. 
and but i'm this is me and this is what i'm going to do anyway it's like this month for me has been like the most inspiring month in a long time and that's why a lot, that's why i really wanted to talk with you because what you did inspired me and i could definitely tell it inspired a lot of others and i really hope that you like feel how much how much love you should get from this you know what i mean yeah i mean this stuff is like you put it out there and you hope for some sort of like emotional professional return but everything i do comes back way bigger than anything i planned and that's oh, yeah. something i you know something i'm taking more and more seriously going forward you know at my opportunities i'm doing uh we're doing more wicked and hulkling or uh for volume two and that'll be out later this year. I'm doing Blue Beetle for DC Comics. That's kind of his first solo series in a while. Oh, uh, that's exciting. I think uh, I think I think me and Sarah were discussing that. And she was telling me she's like, can't she's like, you gotta check out Blue Beetle when he gets done with it. And you know, I knew of the I knew of the the articles written about the movie that they're making. Yeah. And I was like, oh dude, the, and I'm not familiar with the Blue Beetle character. So I'm like, this is another part of comic book like in like of comic books that i can't wait because like when you when that comes out i'm gonna watch it when the comic book comes out i'm gonna read it i'm so excited for blue beetle I, i'm not really too familiar with him or his background no he's a he's an excellent character and he's another one that kind of debuted around the time i was getting back into comics into like my late teenage years and like it's just amazing to be writing some of these characters that like you know i grew up alongside and like jaime reyes is the blue beetle and like he comes from such a distinct background. He's from El Paso, Texas. He, you know, he's Mexican American. He has a lot of like uh, a lot of what he deals with is about his identity. And as a as a as an alien hybrid, you know, as a as a Latin American, uh, you know, he is from uh, he's from these different worlds. And what happens when they collide, right? And I love the character so much. He's been great on. Young Justice or Batman Brave and the Bold or um, the Injustice video games. He's in those two. And I think people have a lot of love for this character, but there haven't been any good, uh, there haven't been any stories featuring the character in several years. And this is a real chance to give him the spotlight he deserves right before the movie comes out. That's, that's got to be exciting. I mean, I can only imagine. Yeah, no, it's, it's like a huge thrill and like, you know, will be you know, knock on wood, will be the comic that's in shops when the movie comes out and will be that opportunity for fans of the character to like find, find stories with him. That's awesome. And so like when you get these opportunities, when like, did they, when they approach you, like, we want you to write this, um, do they give you like, of course you got to, you know, stick to like the, the how, like what the, the identity of the character, the kind of like the, the background of the main character, but are they pretty like good about giving you free, like kind of like your creative freedom to do what you want with it? You know, it varies. I've done, uh, I did a Superman man of tomorrow and a wonder woman agent of peace. And those were kind of out of continuity. They're just like, mm -hmm. tell the best story you can. And I had a lot of fun with that. The Superman one in particular, I'm very proud of. And beyond that, like it's for Hulkling and Wiccan, you know, they reached out to me and they're like, so they're married now they live in space. And he and Hulkling is king of space and run with it. And I just like, oh, well, okay. And so thankfully they're in a part of the universe that's a little detached from the rest of the Marvel universe. So you have some leeway to do what you want in that way. But then beyond that, uh, you know, Blue Beetle is in the middle of the DC universe and he's only gonna become more important and more prominent as time goes on. 
So I'm juggling some different events going on in the DC universe. There's some status quo changes that are going to impact the character in a great way. And we're introducing some new supporting characters that I think fans are really going to love. But like, that's the first time I've ever really had the opportunity to kind of have to color in someone else's lines. Does that yeah. make sense? You know, and that's part of the fun. It's a superhero universe. It's a shared universe. Like, I what I write, someone else is going to have to follow up on someday. And vice, and I'm following up on the great writing that people have done before me. It's got to be awesome to be able to like be part of that community where you're like a team. It's a team effort. Like it's a team effort to make this as good as it can be, and to understand like, well, we all have you know you could have a take, but like, oh, I think they should do this, and they they could have a take of I, I wish the character went in this direction, but just knowing that like all these projects, comic books, movies, it's a team project, and when everybody works as a team, it seems to turn out pretty well. I think humans just should focus on working with each other more as much as they can. No, comics is so fun for that. And like, you know, I work in video games a little bit as well. And video games are such a large team. You know, it's a hundred people working on a game and no one can really take ownership of it. I feel like, you know, we're all one big group. And so in comics, it's a much smaller team. It's like me, the artist, the editor, the colorist, the anchor, the letterer and a couple of you know assistants and people who work on the production side of it but that's like 10 people and it's yeah. us making this beautiful piece of work that like belongs to us and we're trying to do it it's for the fans and that's like something i keep in mind too is like there's this like uh sometimes the word fan service is a four-letter word in when you're writing stuff with these characters and like i don't consider it that at all like we are doing everything in service to the fans and we're trying to tell great stories that fans latch on to. I hear people complain about fan service being bad, or like, oh, like, like on the new Kenobi show, like they're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's not, it's not even a good show. It's just fan service. I'm like, well, it, who's watching it? It's supposed to be watched by the fans. Like, right? How these fan are stories are for the people who love them and are passionate about them. And also, like, you know, that enthusiasm draws in new fans too. It's mm-hmm. not like it does, we're not doing it at the exclusion of anything else. Exactly. No, I completely understand that. And so with these projects, when you're writing, like when the, you're like, somebody calls you and they're like, I have something I want you to do to be part of. Like, wh- how does that start? Like, what does it start with? Like, you just start writing and then the, the artist or like the drawer, and the, like the sketcher comes in. Like, what would you say is, uh, I'm trying to word this. I'm really trying to work on my wording because, like, I have what I was going to say and then it completely escaped my mind and I'm trying to reword it, so I apologize. Um, But when you got into the industry, what was something that surprised you that you didn't think was going to happen? Like, what was something that was like, oh, either this is a cool surprise or just a challenge that I didn't think I was going to have to encounter You know, the biggest thing that changed from when I started to work in comics as a a volunteer, as an intern, to now is the way that uh, digital comics, web comics, and app-based comics have really exploded. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there was a time where the only web comics were kind of like, you know, pretty simplistic, and uh, they took forever to load because the internet wasn't very good then. And they just didn't get the respect they probably deserved. And now we live in this world where there's so many amazing web comics. You can go to Tapas, 
You can go to Webtoons. You can go on the Marvel Unlimited app. You can do. You can go anywhere and you can find amazing web comics. You know, the biggest, the biggest TV show in the world right now is Heartstopper on Netflix, and that's based off of web comic. And so it, they're really having their moment. I heard somebody say it to me recently, and I was like, okay. I was like, so I'm definitely gonna check that out. No, Heartstopper is uh, is the real deal, and it's it's one of those things where it's uh, it is you know it's a it's a gay love story, but it's told in a way that I think everyone can appreciate and enjoy. You know, it's for it's for young it's for young people for sure, but it's also for you know grandmas are watching this show and writing fan fiction about these characters. So there's definitely something powerful there, and I think it speaks to how universal storytelling is, right? That you can look beyond your experiences and find compassion and empathy for these fictional characters. And that's the thing too, I've noticed is also like, like I, you know, with my father being sick, my father's 65 year old Portuguese immigrant Mm -hmm. and to see like the stuff he's watching now, like he used to not be really open to watching Marvel stuff. He's like, Oh, that's just fake. Everything's fake. And he would, he would, he wouldn't watch it, but yeah, he would watch like ancient aliens on the history channel or something. Yeah. And to see him now, when you walk in and like, on TNT is Thor and he's watching it and actually locked in watching it. And to see like, Oh, that's all it took. All it took were like, these things can be watched by anybody and enjoyed by anybody because they're universal stories. There's always something for somebody to relate to out of it. You know, like I think people are always constantly searching for something to connect with. And if something is written well enough, you can connect with it, whether you're a 65 year old woman, uh, 45 year old dude, anything teenager child as long as like you can kind of put yourself in that like kind of world i think any any well-written comic and show you can connect with like i you know i can't relate to the community that you're involved in as like as much as i as as much as like i can't understand your personal experience with it Mm -hmm. and being involved in it on that deep level but to to see the general human want to just be appreciated and loved by somebody and and to express yourself to f- who you fully are is like inspiring on any level and it shouldn't matter what the story is written about uh what like what the person's gender is what the person's sexuality it is, it is you know that's that's specific to the individual but shouldn't be the basis of the story and uh, it's nice to kind of it's nice to see people who can bring in their own personal influence and write something as beautiful and something that's even so beautiful that it's even like it has a minimal amount of words in a comic bubble. You know, you got, it's a combination of the words along with the art and then you get the full picture and story out of it. And it's super inspiring. Yeah. And you know, Josh, thank you so much for speaking with me. No, thank you. And uh, you know, let's keep in touch. Follow me online at lost his keys, man. Uh, or just whatever my name.com that works that's too. Awesome name, not gonna lie. Well, there's another Josh Trujillo that's a very talented photographer, and he's uh, had he's had that handle as long as I've been on the internet. So make uh, us constantly, but he's he's funny. We've met before because just through this stuff, just through like, hey, it's isn't it funny that we share the same name and we're constantly getting confused for one another? <laughs> and, like I get contacted, like, do you want to come fly out to? Syria and photograph the this farm and it's like uh you're definitely not talking to me but maybe maybe I will <laughs> you're like but check me out I got this <laughs> yeah, 
Well, thank you, Josh. And you guys remember follow him at Lost His Keys Man on Instagram. Lost His Keys Man on Twitter or Instagram. And uh, follow me on the Wild Weird on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, um, uh, wherever you get your podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple. Um, Josh, it's been a pleasure, my friend. I really appreciate you coming on and talking with me. Um, I love what you're doing. Everybody, I'm sure, is going to love when they get a chance to read these to read Hulk, Hulkling and Wiccan, to read those other comics. Like it's, it's, and I'm going to keep reading them. So if you could recommend me one shit, like if, cause I want to, you said young justice, right? That gives more of like an in-depth kind of tell of those characters. Like, so what would you recommend me kind of hop in first to kind of start the journey to get more familiar with these characters? With Hulkling and Wiccan in particular? Yeah. Yeah. So I would recommend, um, you know, you can go back to the original young Avengers run by okay. Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung. Um, that's probably the best way to go. You know, if you follow their stories up until the present, we get okay. into Empire with Al Ewing and uh, with stories in, by Anthony Olvera as well. Um, Teeny Howard did an incredible uh, honeymoon special for the two of them after they got married. And I'm kind of handling their uh, their domestic life, but obviously nothing's normal or boring when you are a space king and your wizard boyfriend. Of course. Husband, rather. I was called a boyfriend. A little We're not bit, boyfriend. You know. We're married now. Well, that's awesome. So I'll check that out. Um, thank you, Josh. I appreciate you coming on and speaking with me. Um, you guys, uh, if you can, he's got, I believe you got writings on, if you want to read any of his comics, you can go to your local bookstore, um, comic book shop. Uh, he's got his stuff on Amazon, Marvel Unlimited. They got a seven-day free trial, so you can go through most of his stuff, whatever you feel like for in those seven days specifically. And Josh, thank you so much. And guys, follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Lost His Keys, man. And check out his stuff. And when you have a chance, go to your local bookstore, pick up a comic, and give it a try. If you you won't, you won't regret it. Josh, thank you, sir. Oh, thank I hope you, you have thank a wonderful you. night. Thank you.